I have a secret to share. I'm on vacation. This is the first real vacation that my partner and I have taken together since before the pandemic. We've navigated so much during these last few years. Job losses, job changes, reduced hours, deaths of loved ones, and adapting to new ways of earning our livings and navigating our relationships. And it's been challenging for both of us to find our footing and take this time off together. I found an episode of another podcast that says exactly what I'd like to share this week while I'm away. The Beach Speaks, hosted by Paige Friend, is special to me for two reasons. One, because Paige Friend has one of the most soothing voices in podcasting. And two, this podcast reminds me that we human beings are part of the earth. As an urban dwelling person who spends most of her day in front of a computer screen, I can forget that. Luckily, The Beach Speaks reminds me to get out into the natural world and find what part of nature speaks to me. Paige has found a spiritual connection to the natural world at the beach. Listening to Paige on her podcast constantly reminds me that I can be in the middle of redwoods in just a quick 10-minute drive. Or in the same amount of time, I can be at the bay. And if I really need to share in an expression of intense, raw power, one of the most incredible coastlines in the world is right here. The episode of The Beach Speaks that I'm sharing today is one of my favorites because in it, Paige discovers that whatever the circumstances, the natural world will hold us if we just learn to treat it right. Hello, friends and fellow lovers of all things beachy. Welcome to The Beach Speaks. I'm your host and beach lover, Paige Friend, sharing conversations and stories to help you reconnect with the beach, return to your soul, and reimagine your life. Whether they're an entrepreneur, a conscious creator, or just someone who loves the beach, all my guests have a story to tell about what makes the beach the place to be. So grab a cool drink, sit back in your beach chair, stick your toes in the sand, and enjoy this episode of The Beach Speak. asked Google, what makes a hurricane a natural disaster? And Google said, hurricanes are dangerous and can cause major damage from storm surge, wind damage, rip currents, and flooding. They can happen along any U.S. coast or in any territory in the Atlantic or Pacific Oceans. Storm surge historically is the leading cause of hurricane-related deaths in the United States. Okay... (laughs) I grew up in the mountains of Pennsylvania, so 
Pretty much the only natural disasters I ever experienced were blizzards, which were fairly common and not all that disastrous. For me, a blizzard meant no school, shoveling massive amounts of snow, and awesome sledding. You know, pretty much all the kids stuff. I knew about earthquakes, tornadoes, and floods, but it wasn't until I moved to Florida that I had ever been in an actual natural disaster, a hurricane. A friend of mine from up north asked me, what is it like to be in a hurricane? So that got me thinking about the past 22 years living in Florida. Wow, it's really been that long. How many hurricanes had I really been in? The first few years I lived in Tampa, and I don't remember there being any significant weather until I moved to Orlando in 2004. We had just settled into a house on a small cul-de-sac in one of those sprawling planned communities that I call scrape and builds. You know, the kind where the developer goes in and scrapes a wide swath of land, trees and all, builds tons of houses, but don't get me started on that. That's a different kind of disaster. Not too long after moving in, four hurricanes rolled through Florida, one right after the other. Charlie, Francis, Ivan, and Jean. (laughs) Don't you just love how the storms have everyday names? It's like that random crazy relative who calls and says, Hey, it's Charlie. I'm going to be in your area in a few days. Mind if I stop by? And you pray they never come to visit because you know that as soon as they arrive, all hell breaks loose. And before you know it, your peaceful home is in complete chaos. And it makes sense to give hurricanes a name because, for one, it makes it really easy to talk about them later. Like, remember when Andrew came one night and took our roof? Or Katrina? Yeah, She was bad. (laughs) And like people, hurricanes have different personalities. Difficult to predict. You never quite know what they're going to do, but they all have one thing in common. They are really good at disrupting things. Now, even though hurricane season starts around June, there's always a lot of talk way before that about how to prepare. You're told to stock up on bottled water, non-perishable food, batteries, flashlights, medicine, chargers for your cell phones, stuff like that. And that all seemed intuitive to me, but there were some things I didn't really think about, like have cash on hand in case credit card machines and ATMs are out of service. Make sure your car has a full tank of gas. And of course, have your insurance and other important documents with you preferably in something waterproof, but not stashed in the dishwasher. Contrary to popular belief, they are not waterproof. (laughs) And of course, the weather prognosticators are on full alert. It's like they live for hurricane season. They get so excited about it. All hunkered down in the TV station's severe weather center, showing off their weather graphics that look more like abstract art than scientific models. I call this one Cone of Uncertainty, and this one is Spaghetti Model. (laughs) I honestly had no idea what it would be like until the news came that Charlie was working himself up to a Category 4 frenzy and was headed our way. 
Now, I couldn't tell you the exact wind speeds of each category. All I knew was that from a scale of one, pretty mild, to five, complete devastation, a Cat 4 would be bad. Now, the good thing about hurricanes is that even if you don't know exactly where they're going to land, you get a fair amount of time to get things in order. So when Charlie called to say, hey, I'm headed for Miami now, and then maybe I'll swing by on my way to Tampa, you're kind of on the way, right? We were ready to hunker down. Typically, a hurricane will hit the coast, and then once it makes landfall and moves inland, it tends to kind of fizzle out. But not this one. Charlie was bound and determined to stay at Cat 4 for as long as he could. I just figured that there would be a lot of rain and some wind and we'd lose power. But there, there weren't any evacuation orders, and it looked like everyone was ready to ride it out. And it seems so strange, because even though the news said we were definitely in the hurricane's path, everything seemed so calm. Then it got cloudy, and then the wind came, pushing bands of heavy rain sideways, and I was fascinated. I remember staring out the front window, transfixed at the sight of the palm trees, bending over from the gusty winds, and I was sure they would break. But then as the wind changed direction, they snapped right back up again. Kind of like those tall blow-up things you see at outside car dealerships. It never really occurred to me until then that this hurricane could really cause some damage. Our power went out as expected, and the sky got darker, the sounds of the storm got louder and more ominous, and I told myself it would only be a night, and in the morning it would be sunny skies again. Instead, it got worse. And once again, I sat staring out the window trying to make out what was going on as the whipping wind blew sheets of rain down the street. And I saw our neighbor and his wife crawling around precariously on top of their house. They were trying to strap down this giant floppy blue tarp over a part of their roof that had been stripped bare. Dang, I didn't even think to get tarps. When Charlie finally left, our entire street was a sea of shingles and tree branches. I had never seen anything like it. A huge oak tree just toppled over as if some giant hand yanked it out of the ground with the roots still attached and tossed it. A metal frame screen patio enclosure, we call them lanai's, was bent in a contorted shape and ripped right off the slab and blown into the neighbor's backyard. We were pretty fortunate. The power in our neighborhood was out for only three or four days. Our lanai was still standing, although the screen had been blown blown out, and half the roof was missing shingles. Our street had been barely cleared when a roofer from Texas showed up in a pickup truck filled with shingles. Somehow he knew we were going to need help, and he had the materials and the crew ready to go. He was ready to make a deal. And a few days later, practically everyone on the cul-de-sac had a new roof. (laughs) 
Fast forward 18 years to 2022, and now I'm living at the beach. And another Cat 4 hurricane named Ian is on his way. Ian certainly had a mind of his own, spiraling up speed in the Gulf of Mexico and threatening to make landfall somewhere near Tampa St. Pete Beach. Everyone thought it would be Tampa, but as we know, hurricanes are unpredictable, and instead, Ian turned south and hit Fort Myers with 150 mile per hour winds. Just to put that in perspective, a Category 5 starts at a wind speed of 157 miles per hour. I just couldn't believe it. All those beautiful beaches and beach towns devastated. No one was really sure what was going to happen next, but here on the Atlantic coast at our beach, we were told to be prepared for high winds and strong storm surges. And you'd think I would have learned from Charlie and the number of other hurricanes I'd been through over the years that I'd be prepared. But with Ian, it felt entirely different. I'd never experienced a hurricane at the beach before. For one thing, our beach has a specific evacuation route to get inland. Basically, it's a three-lane road that takes you over a bridge crossing the intercoastal. And the authorities will issue a warning if they'll be closing the bridge. So you pretty much have to know whether you're staying or going, because when that bridge is closed and the storm hits, you're going to be stuck for a while. In all honesty, unless Ian was a Cat 5, I wasn't ready to evacuate, especially now at the last minute, because who wants to deal with long car lines and the hassle of trying to find a place to stay once you're on the other side? I was okay with riding out the storm. And much like Charlie, the first signs that Ian was on his way was that eerie stillness, and then the wind, and then the rain, and then more wind, and more wind, and more wind. I thought the wind would never stop. And as usual, when there's any storm threatening the coast, the local authorities advise everyone, stay away from the beach. And for the love of all things beachy, do not go into the ocean. That didn't stop me. I could hear the surf roaring. The beach was speaking loud, and I wanted to hear what it was saying. I opened the front door just a little bit to take a look down the street, and the wind slammed the door closed knocking me on the side of my head. That just made me all the more determined to see what the beach looked like. So I went to my closet, pulled out my raincoat with the hood, and said to my husband, I'm going. We walked down the street in our flip-flops with our heads down, facing the wind. The rain was stinging my face, and each time I looked up to follow the lights of the Margarita Hotel that marked the entrance to the beach up ahead. When we reached the beach access, I burst out laughing. Even though Margaritaville was boarded up and closed, they still had their signature beach music playing outside at the bar. (laughs) 
I stepped slowly across the familiar wooden walkway and down the stairs that were now half hidden by massive amounts of sand, and I kept my head down so the blowing wind and sand wouldn't get into my eyes, but as soon as my bare feet touched the beach, I looked up. I was awestruck. The sky was a dark gray, and you could see the bands of rain in the distance. The waves were as tall as me, Captain White, furiously rolling toward the shore. Normally, you'd expect to see at least one or two diehard surfers up for the challenge, but there weren't any. I don't blame them. It did not look like fun. I did get a photo of me being blown by the wind like Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel. It wasn't 150 miles per hour, but it felt like it. I was beginning to get a little tired of being sandblasted, and the sand and the salt water were really irritating my eyes. High tide was approaching fast, and soon the ocean would be at the edge of the dunes. A handful of nearby residents with their phones had wandered down to the water's edge to record the moment. Normally, I would be right there with them, taking tons of photos. But this time, I just stood still, shielding my eyes under the hood of my raincoat, marveling at the fury of the waves, taking deep breaths of salty air. In my own little world, listening to the beach speak. What was the beach saying? I felt like I needed her permission to be there. And in the fury of it all, I heard the words, It's okay. You don't have to leave. I'm still the beach you know and love. You are home. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beach Speaks. If you liked what you heard, share the podcast with another beach lover. And speaking of sharing, I want to know how the beach is speaking to you. Share your favorite beach story or why you love the beach so much. To record a message, just go to my website, thebeachspeaks.com, click the voicemail button, it's super easy, and I'll play it on the show. And if more beach is what you crave, visit thebeachspeaks.com or follow The Beach Speaks on Facebook and Instagram, where I post all my gorgeous sunrise photos and videos. It's another way for you to reconnect with the beach, return to your soul, and reimagine your life. The Beach is speaking. Are you listening?